Hello, and welcome back to the Iowa Type Theory Commute. I'm Aaron Stump, and we are in Chapter 6 talking about lambda encodings, which are ways of representing data just using functions. We've been talking about the church encoding, which is one particular scheme for doing this. We talked about it for the Booleans and also for lists. Let's talk about it for natural numbers as well. So we're when we use the church encoding, we're representing data as its own fold function. When I say its own, it means the fold function, the fold write function specialized for that particular piece of data. So we don't usually think of I mean, if you think about doing numeric programming, you're not thinking about doing folds over unary natural numbers. Okay, so let's just admit that right up front. You know, you're, doing, you're usually just doing arithmetic operations that ultimately are, are performed by your, you know, arithmetic logic unit of your CPU. So, but, uh, you know, conceptually, uh, we can represent natural numbers uh, as basically as a list of, of nothing, like a list of unit values, that's, or just as a sequence of successors applied to zero. So successor of successor of zero would be two. Again, as I've said several times, no one's proposing we actually write numeric code this way. This is just a way to represent numbers that, for example, could be very convenient for theorem-proving purposes. We're working with, you know, 64-bit uh, machine integers imposes a lot more burden, you know, reasoning about overflow, dealing with the um, binary notation. Um, so those are costs you would need to pay for reasoning about serious numeric computation. You have to pay them at some point. Maybe you want to translate your numeric code to a natural number model or something, a piano number model. That's piano, P-E-A-N-O, the Italian logician, not the instrument. Anyhow, uh, so what is a fold over a natural number? Well, it's really the same as any of these folds. The basic idea of fold right is to say, uh, or of a catamorphism categorically, um, if you think about your, your data as a tree, so for lists, that's pretty clear. It's this sort of right linear structure. You've got um, the, the elements of the list kind of hanging off of these nodes where we have sort of a spine that grows down to the right all the way down to an occurrence of the empty list. Well, for natural numbers, it's even simpler because there's no data. So the natural number is this tree where you have nodes labeled successor, and each successor node has exactly one child node. And finally, you, you bottom out at a node labeled zero. So successor, successor of zero, just think of it as like a stack of several nodes on top of each other connected. And so with a fold, it just means let's replace the operators, the constructors, in such a tree with some user-specified functions. So we've got this tree, like again, let's say it's two, successor of successor of zero. I've got two successor nodes piled on top of each other, if I'm thinking of this vertically, which for some reason I generally like to do, and then zero at the bottom. Uh, I'm going to replace each successor node with a pr one particular uh, user-specified function, and I'm going to replace the zero node with another particular user-specified value. Um, so, uh, I've, that's how you do a fold over the natural numbers. So, uh, examples of this, if I wanted to do, to add two numbers, it's not really, there's not really great unary examples. You could check parity or something like that. Um, that would, that would maybe work. Uh, but let's say you want to do addition. 
So you want to add x and y. So what you do is you do a fold over x where we're going to replace every successor node with actually just successor. And we're going to replace 0 with y. So that instead of having a tower of x successor nodes on top of 0, we would like to have a tower of x successor nodes on top of y. And that will have the effect of adding x and y. Because if my y, you know, y has got its tower of successors, let's say y of them, and x has its tower of x successors. So when we have a tower of x plus y successors, well, that represents x plus y. So, so in any way, that, that's how you would use a fold over natural numbers. So you would say, you know, fold, you know, natural number fold of successor and y. Uh, over, sorry, natural number fold successor and y over, you know, where, the, where you're doing the fold over value x. And that will have the effect of adding x plus y. And when we specialize this fold operation to a particular, you know, to the number itself, so the number three is going to be represented as the fold natural number function specialized to three. So then that'll have the effect that you can just say, I take my natural number and I call it with the user function to place where I have successor nodes and the user value to place where I have my zero node. So then um, adding uh, x and y, I would just take x and apply it to successor and y. Very concise. <laughs> so um, that's the basic idea of you know the sort of untyped church encoding. And when you look at types, we're saying when well, you can see that well, whatever function user function I want to put down for successor, um, the input and output types of that function have to be the same because I'm going to call successor of successor of successor. So that means the output of one call to successor is going to be the input to another call to successor. And so those are going to be, we're going to need to have the same type there. Um, if, with, if we had, in, if we're using index types or something, we wouldn't have to. But if we're just sticking with polymorphic lambda calculus or system F, uh, which is a good starting point for understanding the static typing of church encodings, then we would just say for any type X, you've got to give me a user, you know, some user specified function. You got to give me a function from X to X. That's what I'm going to use to interpret successor semantically. And then you've got to give me a value for zero. And that value also needs to have type X because I'm going to call the, your successor, the function you've provided for successor on that value. And so, and in the end, you're going to get an X back. So the final type is for all X, that is for all types X, X arrow X, that's the type for the user value for successor, arrow X arrow X. So... For all x, x arrow x, quantity, arrow, x, arrow, x. That's a completely standard, well-known type in system F for the church-encoded natural numbers. Uh, and you can do, you can write, you know, plenty of functions this way. You can write addition, multiplication, exponentiation, tetration. I mean, you can keep going for quite a ways. The computational power of system F is enormous, so you will exhaust the kinds of functions you know how to write <laughs> before you exhaust the power of system F to write them. So, uh, unless you want to do something that actually diverges or could diverge. Search for the least number that satisfies something. That's a classic case of a general recursive operation that cannot be reduced in general 
to terminating operations because there might not be a least number that satisfies a predicate. Anyhow, uh, so now having talked about this a little bit now through several examples, booleans, lists, and, and natural numbers, you know, that it's time for the bad news. <laughs> the bad, you know, so the good news has been, hey, this is really great. We actually don't need data. Okay, for pragmatic reasons, we actually are going to want machine integers, but let's forget those for a minute. For the other data structures and stuff, it's great. We don't really need them because we can just lambda encode our data using this church encoding. And it's typed, so that's nice. We don't have to you know, leave a, a realm of typing. We, um, we have a typed encoding for this, and we can write all kinds of cool functions that we're used to writing, and it's really great. There is a bad side, and it's a bad... Enough, it's a bad enough side for this particular lambda encoding that, in fact, it's sort of blighted uh, many people's perspective on all lambda encodings because they just sort of know this one, and this one has a, a serious, serious problem that you really just can't sweep under the rug. And that is that um, while it's really great to use all these fold writes for computing things, certain functions are very awkward to compute by fold write. Um, a very simple example, I mean, sort of actually the classic example and sort of devastating example is simply to get the immediate subdata of a piece of data. So what's the immediate subdata? Like for a list, it would be the tail of the list. For a natural number, it would be the predecessor of that number. This is actually amazingly awkward to do with a fold write because fold write just recurses through your whole data. But I actually don't want to recurse through my whole data to get the predecessor. I just kind of want you to just peel off a successor and don't, don't do anything more. Well, you can't do that. You can't, quote, just peel off a successor with uh, church encoding. You have to do a fold through the whole data. And so that means, and in fact, when I say have to, uh, Michelle Perigot, who is a great inspiration for people working on lambda encodings, because he had a bunch of really awesome contributions to the lambda encodings, uh, he, in the late 80s, he had a paper that proved uh, under some pretty, you know, pretty general conditions that you cannot... Uh, have a constant time predecessor for church-encoded natural numbers. Anything you come up with has to take linear time. And, you know, getting the tail of a list, linear time operation, really, in usual functional programming, that would be a constant time operation. And if it becomes linear time, you are going to destroy the running times, asymptotic running times, of a lot of your functions. I mean, some things still work out at the expected times, but other things are, are toast. And you're going to bump up the asymptotic complexity of the programs you write, and that is not acceptable. That is not something we can just ignore. Uh, sure, if you're only concerned about theorem proving and not intending to actually run any of these functions, maybe that would be okay. Um, still, just computing the predecessor or tail by a fold is awkward itself. It took the great Stephen Colclini, apparently it took him a trip to the dentist, because the story from his own words, and I've read the interview in our, in our old musty tome in our library, he was waiting to have his wisdom teeth taken out when it occurred to him how he could do predecessor with a fold. It's not easy. I'm not going to try to walk through it on the air because it's, <laughs> it's, it's tricky. Uh, so, you know, but, but really for practical programming, which we are interested in, after all, it's not just about theorem proving as computer scientists, uh, this, is a, this is a showstopper. Church encoding, dead. You cannot use it uh, effectively in general. Um, and so that has led many people to conclude lambda encodings are dead. You cannot use them in general. And that is mistaken. There are other lambda encodings that don't suffer from this problem. And we will be talking about them sometime soon. Okay. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you're having a great day wherever you are.